Welcome to the Management Insights Podcast Series hosted by McGraw-Hill. My name is Debbie Clare, Executive Marketing Manager for our Management Portfolio. Today's topic, Methods for Developing Students' Career Readiness Competencies. Our panel of guests include Angelo Kanicki, Denise Brosoigne, and Patrick Solomani. I'd love for you, each of you to introduce yourselves, starting with Angelo. Hi, I'm Angelo Kanicki from Arizona State University and, and also a co-author for two products with McGraw-Hill. Hi, I'm Denise Brosoigne from the University of Arkansas. Hi, Patrick Soleimani from George Mason University School of Business. Excellent. So let's dig in. Angelo, can you go ahead and define career readiness, highlight some of the latest research findings, and what are some of those core competencies? So career readiness is a concept that reflects the extent to which students graduate with the skills and capabilities that employers want. The way I got tuned into it is by looking at the research about what employers want. And they're saying there's this set of skills they're not getting. And they're blaming academics for not providing those skills. Well, what are those skills? So doing a literature research of of what we know about it, we identified 27 of them. Now, of the 27, there's about six or seven that are core. Core means that they apply to any job that one can think about. And some of those examples would be things like critical thinking problem solving, which is one of the number one core skills. Another would be oral and written communication. Another one would be leadership and influence. Another one would be the ability to collaborate. And another one would be cross-cultural sensitivity. So employers are saying, we want these skills. And I think what's important for us, Deb, as academics, if we don't provide these skills, they're going to provide them themselves. And so we need to, I believe, spend more time building career readiness into our classroom activities. Now, to that end, what what I have learned through trying to do this is you can't do it by lecturing. And the reason you can't do it by lecturing is because these career readiness competencies require higher levels of learning. So therefore, you got to get away from the podium, get out into your audience and use active learning techniques. Now, active learning techniques quite simply are students learn by doing and discussing rather than by professors talking. So, Denise, do you think in your own teaching that if you want to build career readiness that you have to use active learning and get away from lecturing? Absolutely, Angelo. The students respond to it. The act of learning is really where we get that engagement, where we get our students to solve problems and to work together toward building this knowledge. But what's so important in in order for us to be able to do this in our classes is that the foundational knowledge is there. I cannot ask my students to diagnose a problem in a case to explain to me how a company should have behaved differently and what did they do wrong in a certain situation if they don't have the fundamentals. And that's where certain assets like a smart book are so important because my students are coming to class prepared with the fundamentals and I am no longer lecturing. I'm engaging in active learning with my students. So Denise, what would happen if I didn't use smart book? How would I ever get to higher levels of learning? You wouldn't. And everybody, I don't think you would because you can't get there without understanding and remembering. So if you're not using some of these products like SmartBook, you're going to be stuck lecturing, you won't get to the higher levels, and your students won't be career ready. So Patrick, let's have you join in the conversation. What other application activities have you used effectively with your students? Well, you know, one of the uh, activities that a lot of professors use uh, are videos, quite frankly. It's something that we rely on a lot. Um, and when you think of Bloom's taxonomy and moving up Bloom's taxonomy, I, I like to use videos as an example because 
I use three different types of videos. And though we use videos a lot, they're not all made the same way. I use I see it types of videos, which are really used for understanding and remembering. It goes back to what Denise was talking about, about foundational knowledge. So let's just say our topic for today is a motivational theory. I'm going to use a video that's going to portray um, a certain topic on a lower level of blooms to help students understand the foundational material. And then I look to move them up Bloom's taxonomy. That could include another type of video which is a video case. And video cases are those types of videos where you have the CEO of a well-known organization. It can be Starbucks, Panera Bread, you name it. Somewhere that students uh, frequently go to and know about. That's the hook for them. That's what gets them engaged when they're uh, thinking about an organization that they frequently go to. That hits a little bit of a higher Bloom's level. It's hitting an understanding and apply. But if you really want to get to where Angelo and Denise are talking about, which is active learning, uh, there's a third type of video, and that's a manager hot seat. And as uh, Angelo mentioned, in traditional learning, it's very much us as instructors telling. But when it comes to active learning, it's us guiding them and them doing. The manager's hot seats provide that opportunity. These are situations that may not be real, as in the real CEO of Starbucks sitting there, but there are individuals trying to solve a problem, and the problem can be controversial and complex and may not have the perfect answer. But the fact that the students have to roll up their sleeves, sit in that hot seat, and make decisions is what's really going to get them to hit the career readiness competencies of, for sure, critical thinking and problem solving, if not others. So videos are one big area of, for me personally, and another one are simulations. So I'm really, really big on being able to utilize simulations both inside and outside the classroom. And one of the main reasons for that is um, I'm trying to replicate the real world within the confines of the classroom. Simulations allow students to make decisions and to see the results in real time. And you know, we all pride ourselves on making the most perfect decisions all the time, but the truth is that we don't. We sometimes make ideal decisions, sometimes sub-ideal decisions, and sometimes just bad ones. Hopefully, not that many bad ones, but they, they occur. In simulations, students are in a branching environment where you can have 20 students do a simulation and have multiple different outcomes because of the decisions that they made within the simulation. It's sort of like those old choose-your-adventures that I was doing when I was in school years ago. Um, but it really provides an opportunity for students to hit higher-level uh, blooms. And they also, while they're going through this whole journey, get to interpret information, think critically, and solve problems. Well, I really appreciate all of the advice that you've given so far. In closing, do you have any uh, last comments for your peers? So I have one. One simple way to start critical thinking and problem solving is to use a simple problem solving teaching technique where you give students a little scenario. Like imagine yourself, you're the manager of a McDonald's restaurant and a few things happen. So you give them this scenario. Then you follow this three-step process of you, y'all, and we. It's a great technique. Just learned about it. The you part is, now imagine yourself as that manager, what would you do? The y'all part 
is where you put them in, pair them up or put them in a small group. And you say, how would you all solve that problem? And then the we part is you have a group discussion about it. It is a great technique. It's easy. doesn't require anything other than these scenarios. It's active learning. And one last thing I cannot resist. It's really great for Gen Zs. You know, all of us out there, this major kind of student in our classroom is a Gen Z that's born between 1996 and 2012, and they don't like lecture. They like activity and practicality. Their parents went through the Great Recession. If it ain't relevant to their life, they don't want to hear about it. So therefore, this little you, y'all, we is a good way to get them involved, get them interested. So I think the challenge, the, the, the thing I'd like to leave you with is, let's try to think of some simple ways to do less lecturing and get more active-based learning that's practical. And Patrick has mentioned great assets to do that, but they don't have to be fancy. You can do simple little scenarios to make it work. Well, I'd like to thank Angelo, Denise, and Patrick for sharing their perspective, experience, and advice today. To our listeners, check back for future topics and spread the word to your colleagues about our podcast series. Why? Because learning changes everything. <laughs>